0: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal way back with you guys for another episode of our press box series. I'm very happy to be joined first of all by Chris Wheatley. How do you met you? Well,
1: good, Tom. Hope you're well too. Have very kaya.
2: Good. <laughs> Which kaya? How you doing? You good? I've got that warm welcome from Chris. I'm feeling great. Thank you, and oh, happy I mean New that. Year um, to everyone.
0: Yes, of course. Ending the year, Chris. Very just to put both of you on the spot. What has been your highlight of Arsenal in 2021? <laughs> Kaya? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think myself now what it would be. What my highlight... I mean, the six signings we made in the summer were pretty big. Yeah, that I liked, yeah The biggest yeah. spending of a transfer window in Arsenal's history is probably a bit of a highlight. The
2: window over Spurs were probably, probably out there as well.
0: Mm, yeah, definitely. Definitely. For Chris, me, uh, thinking time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, uh, Project Restart, the fact that football actually started uh, Mm. again and fans coming back into the stadiums. um, I think that was probably the biggest thing, especially covering the games without fans, which was not great, to be Mm. honest. Um, I think that was the the best
0: moment of of the year for me we quickly forget that this year also saw the rise and quick fall of the Super League as well which was also a big thing yeah uh, it shows you how long 2021 has been when you start remembering things that happened at the start of the year so uh, yeah very interesting stuff and hopefully 2022 is going to be a very (laughs) successful year for Arsenal but it is Chris going to start without our manager in the dugout against Manchester City recently speaking today of course in his press conference about how that community communication might take place Albert Stuvenberg is is set to be in the dugout and lead things depending on of course the health of of the rest of the backroom staff how much of an impact do you think this is going to have on tomorrow's game
1: I think it will have an impact and I mean Pep Guardiola has been speaking um ahead of the match apparently I think that's actually embargoed so we won't go into what he said too much but um I think it will make a, a difference um in terms of what Arteta does on the touchline. We know he's quite a controlling manager. He's quite hands-on. Um, in fact, he's pretty much out of his seat for the majority of the games. And um, I remember last season we could actually hear the instructions um, that he was giving to the players. And I think that's one of the things that we really will be missing tomorrow because Albert Stevenberg and Kai has written um, a couple of good pieces about him. I think he's someone who is obviously very knowledgeable. He's got a lot of experience in the game. Uh, but he doesn't come across as a kind of vocal um, coach. Uh, and that's certain, certainly not something we've seen since he's been at the club. I think the, um, the vocal ones have been Carlos Cuesta and Miguel Molina, who are the assistant coaches to Mikel Arteta. And um, Kaya, again, I, I'm sure you remember some of the instructions we've heard from those guys. are very, very loud, very animated. So maybe we'll be hearing um, from them uh, the weekend if they're, of course, available. For the top
0: yeah, a big question around who is who is going to be there and who isn't. Uh, Kaya, it's interesting hearing Arteta talk about kind of how much leash in, in a way that he was going to be giving to the, the assistants and how there was a little bit of a standoffish approach, actually, from what he was saying about how he kind of wanted to give the earnest to, to those around him and those that he trusts. And there's a reason why he selected them to be on his coaching staff. And he kind of, if he hadn't have done, why would they be there if he wasn't going to give them, you know, the reins in these kind of scenarios? Do you think that you know, the, the amount of time these people have spent with the Arsenal players that really we shouldn't expect necessarily too much change from what we've come to expect from Arsenal's performances. Um, yeah, I think
2: just if you think about the practicalities of how Arteta would be able to communicate with the mm. players, he'd uh, have to sort of either have like a, a phone call, I suppose Stoltenberg does wear the airpods so maybe he could speak to him via that, but that would be a bit, I think, oh, the difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Like maybe you could do a half-time team talk over Zoom. He's actually sort of asked about that and laughed it off. He thought it was a bit of a strange suggestion, which I think I, I agree with. It's sort of it'd be, a, it'd be a bit weird just when you're used to sort of having it in person to then go go over Zoom. So practically, I think it doesn't make too much sense for Arteta to have that much influence. I'm sure he would have briefed the coaches to with an inch of their lives about what he wants from them and what he wants from the team on the day because he's a very detailed orientated manager and that's probably one of his strengths as a manager. But it'll be interesting to see how the others um, cope. I, like Chris was saying, Stovenberg isn't necessarily the most animated on the touchline, but he can be passionate. I mean, I remember when Xhaka um, made that error leading to the goal at Burnley last season, there was footage of Stovenberg punching the seat next to him, which I think Arteta was supposed to be in, which stood up. So he's sometimes... you know, Thank he, goodness. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's, he's been known to show a bit of passion. So I think it'll be interesting. It'll be a different approach. It'll be a bit of a throwback because obviously in Unai Emery and Mikel Arteta, we've had very... Uh, hands-on managers whereas Arsene Wenger was a lot more relaxed in his approach so I think it'd be a bit of a throwback to a little sort of how things used to be but we'll see I mean Stovenberg has been a manager himself at Genk so um, he's got experience of being on the touchline he knows what it's all about
0: Mm. so
2: in terms of the impact it will have on the team performance I think potentially some but the amount coaches are actually able to help their teams on the touchline I don't know I mean there's no way of ever ever actually uh, measuring it but I'm especially with fans inside the stadium, I'm sort of sceptical about how much of an impact it really has other than sort of motivation or anything like that.
0: Sure thing. I mean, obviously, this games being billed, Chris, is very much kind of the big test for Arsenal, seeing how far they've come since not only their last defeat against Everton, but since that 5-0 loss at the Etihad all those months ago where it was a very different team. Do you think that Anything other than, I mean, I'm trying to word the question in the the right kind of way. If we were to say worst case scenario lose this match, how much of a dent do you feel that puts considering who the opposition are and kind of the momentum that's been built up in these last few weeks?
1: I mean, City are probably the best team in the world at the moment, aren't they? Mm. I think, Um, A lot of people are expecting Arsenal to lose the game. Um, I mean, I haven't seen many positive uh, comments about the match on on social media from an Arsenal perspective anyway. Um, I think the fact that COVID has kind of ravaged through the backroom staff, that Mikel Arteta is not going to be there. I don't think anyone is really expecting Arsenal to win, um, which perhaps might play to Arsenal's advantage. I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a really tough game and You've got to remember Arsenal, I think they won four games in a row now. Um, so it's pretty impressive. I'd expect Arsenal to, to give City a game. Uh, I don't want to be talking in cliches again, but no, I'm feeling not confident, but I'm feeling positive going into the match because I think Arsenal are starting to show um, what kind of gears they can get into um, under Arteta.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Kaya City have have looked themselves, there's been some issues with with them. Obviously, the recent awful news about Zhao Cancelo has come out and we're not sure kind of the situation with him from that perspective, but also Rodri's fitness is in question and without him I mean we did our behind enemy lines show with Dominic Farrell, who's our uh, editor, fan brand's editor for Manchester uh, City and he talked about how in the big games Rodri is probably the worst player that they could lose um, so if he is out it does kind of open up that, that opportunity for Arsenal maybe to take advantage and exploit some of the weaknesses I say some the very few weaknesses in that Man City team that's
2: the thing you sort of said it yourself there the very few weaknesses I think Mm. if Manchester City lose Rodri, they have Fernandinho to come in in place of him and that's not a bad replacement, is it? I mean, he's uh, even at his age, one of the best midfielders still in the Premier League, in my opinion, and capable of dominating any team in the Premier League. So it's going to be tricky. And I think Arsenal, despite whatever absentees City may have, will probably not see much of the ball. So it's going to be a good test of the defence. It's going to be a good test of the communication. And it's going to be a good test when they do see the ball of how well they use it. I think what we saw against Liverpool was Arsenal got the ball so rarely... They weren't able to use it that well in possession, and the Liverpool press obviously caused Arsenal a lot of problems. City also pressed quite high and tried to win the ball high up the pitch. So it'll be interesting to see how um, Arsenal cope with that. I think they've been playing a lot better with the ball recently. So mm-hmm. if they're able to sort of use what they've shown over previous weeks to sort of to their advantage, then maybe they'll be able to exploit those Manchester City weaknesses. But having said that, the City strength depth is just so strong that I mean we don't even remember that Kevin De Bruyne has been out for a lot of this season and they are still I think eight points clear at the top of the Premier League so yeah, they're very a very good team and it's going to be very difficult for us to beat them
0: very difficult indeed and and that before we move on to the, the chaos of transfers brings us to asking for your prediction uh, Chris you said you've not seen too many positives how positive are you going to be with your prediction oh, I really don't like predictions Tom honestly um, result rather than school lad
1: um <laughs> I think it's going to be... I'm going to be positive. I think it's going to be a draw.
0: one or. Oh, he's gone for the full score. I love it. Yeah, fair play. I think I'd snap your arm off of that if you offered me that straight out the gate. Kaya? I mean, I'd be happy
2: to start the year with a boring nil-nil, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think... Mm. I'm going to say... 2-0 to Manchester City. I don't think Arsenal will score. I'm sorry. I know that's really downbeat, but I'm just going to try and be realistic about things.
0: Happy New Year. But yeah, yeah. bringing this back down to earth with a thud, guys. Guy. Uh, I, I went for it. I mean, my optimist in me said two-one Arsenal, which is very optimistic, wow. and uh, the the more grounded me said it would be a school draw, uh, still with a fair amount of optimism in there. Oh! of course the game tomorrow does start on new year's day which opens up the whole crazy world of transfers or our timelines go crazy and uh, we'll turn chris Wheatley's notifications on um speaking of which <laughs> in regards to ainsley maitland niles's future he was at uh, michael was asked today and as we've come to expect, was very cagey and and coy about that specifically. The latest kind of news and the article that I've read of yours suggesting that, you know, talks between Arsenal and Roma are there and there's kind of a a hope from Roma's perspective that they can get a a loan deal for for Ainsley Mettland-Niles done. I don't really want to ask specifically on the details of the deal, but what I do want to ask is... If Arsenal allow Ainsley Maitland-Niles to leave and then seeing Thomas Partey and Mohamed Elneny both leave for the African Cup of Nations, it would leave only from you know the perspective of a fan looking through the roster, Granit Xhaka and Sambi Lukonga as the only senior orthodox central midfield options. Do you think that the club would be maybe a little naive to only have those two throughout such an important month that includes a game against Spurs and then of course a game against Burnley and the League Cup semi-final ties?
1: Welcome back, Matteo Guendouzi. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking.
0: Don't, don't, don't clip do that. Do that's not joke. clip wow.
1: that. <laughs> um, no, no, but seriously, I, I think yeah, that's a good point you make. And I, I, I've seen a few people mention that it, it doesn't really make sense as a deal. And I think Arsenal are certainly um, going to let this one play out. I don't expect it's going to be something that, that will be done on the 1st of January. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we know it probably won't be done on the first of January because Maitland-Niles is back in training. Wouldn't surprise me. We just I was speaking with Kyle earlier that if he starts tomorrow, um, I mean, Mikel Arteta generally doesn't leave players out of the team unless it's kind of disciplinary reasons or tactical reasons. Um, but for transfers, I think he will just play the play the player unless he's really unsettled. Um, and Maitland-Niles doesn't seem like the kind of player who would. Uh, not be focused on the game. I know he's had his um, Instagram story posts and stuff in the past, but um, I think he's a better bet than Cedric at right back, especially mm-hmm. if Takahiro Tomiyasu isn't fit. Um, so, yeah, I would start probably Maitland-Niles at right back tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, no, I would keep him um, at the club until Arsenal sign a, a replacement, a central midfielder. Mm-hmm. I don't think Charlie Patino is ready um, as much as he is really talented, And yeah, trying to think of the other midfielders in in the academy. Tim Akinola, maybe. Um, But quite Salah. Yeah. Yeah, It's uh, unlikely to see those guys kind of um, get a chance this season, I think. But Mm. um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was looking through the players we sent out on loan, and you, you know, jokingly alluded to earlier, Genduzi, of course, Torreira, who's having a, you know, from my my friend of mine who watches Fiorentina week in week out has very much enjoyed seeing Torreira this season, and they're very impressed with him. So it's you look with that element of hindsight and maybe regret that we maybe spoke too soon on some of those players, but uh, I think Arsenal and under Arteta have looked to, to build a group of players that are moving in the right direction, and maybe a player like Matteo Genduzi wasn't particularly going to be part of that. Kaya same kind of region of the field in midfield is it of all of the positions on the pitch for you kind of what you predict to be the most likely for Arsenal to to pursue a deal for a player
2: yeah if the maitland deal does happen then I think numbers would seem to dictate that they need to do something but at the same time Arteta did say that he doesn't think it's realistic to sort of bring players in for a really short amount of time and then sort of have to move them out of the starting lineup again so unless they had long-term plans to bring someone in in the summer in midfield and maybe they bring those forward a bit. Maybe that could happen. But yeah, of the positions, it's probably the most just in terms of numbers. I think maybe we'll come as a centre-forward a bit later. So I won't go too much into that. But I think it's looking like it. Yeah, like I echo what Chris says, I don't think Patino's ready to play Premier League football or be starting really Carabao Cup games, especially against a team like Liverpool in the semi-final. I don't think it's sensible to have only Granite Xhaka and Samuel Conga, particularly. I know Conga's already had COVID, but given the COVID environment, you can lose players for seven to 10 days. And that is, in January, with so many games, that's potentially two, three matches. So that could be a big problem. Of course, there's alternatives. You can play Ben White in midfield. Callum Chambers can play there. But I don't really think any of us want to see that, if possible. So I think, yeah, if Arsenal are able to hold on to Azeemite and Arsenal, I think the AFCON group stages end around the 19th of January. So at the earliest, that would be when Party and um, Elneny are returning, although they're expected to go the distance with Ghana and Egypt, two of the favourites for the tournament. So if Arsenal can get the deal done later in the window and allow him to move later, then no problem. But I think um, if they are forced to sort of move quickly on this one, then yeah, maybe we can start to look at potentially um, bringing in a midfielder
0: you mentioned that the african cup of nations there pyramid Bamiyang has now left um to join up with his national side Chris. and before i, I mean speaking when well, we did these shows a couple of months ago leading up to the window and we didn't really kind of expect movement in that in that department but that was well ahead of of the chaos that's gone on with the the captaincy controversy um I was speaking to Hush on our morning agenda show, and he actually, and I, I asked him for his prediction of his definite out in the January window, and he predicted that it would be a Bamian. I'm a little bit more reserved in, in kind of thinking that he might go, but you know, it could happen, and and that would open up the opportunity for possibly Arsenal to to look at that striker role as something to that was being targeted, what we believe to be in the summer, and bring in that plan forward. Do you think that they would react with? a kind of a move for a striker but maybe one that's more it gives them more control like a loan option rather than going for that marquee figure that might not be available during the winter window
1: yeah quite possibly I mean loans generally haven't worked out for Arsenal or the ones that I can think of anyway in the in the Mm -hmm. past transfer windows Uh, that Denis Suarez one really does stick in my mind um but in terms of Aubameyang I think he's someone who the club clearly don't want any more. Mikel Arteta doesn't want. Uh, he's got backing from the board. He's asked about him every press conference and he has the same answer. We're taking it game by game. Well, it's been three games now, two free games, and he's nowhere near the, the team. And they've let him go to Gabon early. Um, obviously, uh, that was requested by uh, the, Gabon, the Gabon national team. But uh, I don't think he has a future at Arsenal. I think he's kind of ruined that for himself um, but we don't need to go into all the details the biggest thing is are Arsenal going to get a replacement and will they sell Aubameyang I think a loan move for Orba is probably uh, a possibility in January um, and I think Arsenal will probably have to pay some of his salary to, to get him off the, the books but um, in terms of replacements I think there's a lot of top quality strikers out there at the moment for me, I, I would go for someone in the UK. Um, I think it's a lot easier um, at the moment, especially with the, the pandemic, with um, um, with GBE. I think yeah. I would go for someone like Calvert-Lewin at Everton. I think he makes um, a lot of sense, but i um, interested to hear your thoughts on that, guys.
0: I mean, he's my pick as well. So calvert Lewin's always someone I'm writing about very favourably, looking kind of, I mean, obviously Vlaovic is another player we've been linked to, but reports suggest that his camp are not interested in that in that whatsoever. And to be honest, when you look at the the XG statistics and comparisons between the two of them, Calvert Lewin stacks up very well and has already transitioned to the Premier League too. So kaya a striker replacing a Bamiyang, do you lean towards Calvert Lewin or have you got your mind on someone else? I think um I really
2: get the argument with Calvert Lewin is in, in terms of what he offers. And I think he's pretty important in terms of providing a focal point to the build-up but I just worry in terms of finishing off chances I don't think he's maybe that much better than what Arsenal have right now in Lacazette so if they're going to spend that much money then it should be an improvement in as many departments as possible me I find myself a big fan of Darwin Nunez I think I've mentioned that on this show before Um, that's just personal thing though there's no real suggestion at the minute that there's any sort of interest from Arsenal they share my interest um <laughs> in, the, in the play I just think he's really good he's quick he's young he's strong he's good in the air he's good in front of goal good on the ball but to basically I think what Arsenal are looking for is Alex Lacazette but with a much more increased goal threat so yeah. that's a very particular player to find there's not that many of those out there there's lots of penalty box strikers there's lots of hold up play strikers who don't necessarily score that many goals. So finding that sort of Goldilocks player is going to be difficult. But they've done that in the past. They wanted very specific things with a goalkeeper, with a centre-back, with a right-back, and they've got it all. So they can do it. They've shown they can do it. I think what Chris has heard and what sort of we've all heard has been that the plan was to look to that in the summer. Maybe circumstances will mean that's brought forward. Um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see.
0: We will have to wait and see, indeed. Chris, uh, thank you so much, mate, for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, and Happy New Year to, to you, uh, Kaya,
1: everyone else who is watching.
0: Absolutely, Kaya. Thank you very much as well, as always, mate.
2: Thank you, thank you. And yeah, again, Happy New Year to everybody, and I hope you all had a Merry Christmas, and here's to a very nice 2022.
0: Fingers crossed Arsenal can give us a great New Year's uh, present. That would be much appreciated, even if it's in the form of a draw. I would take that right now. I think that would certainly be something we'd look at favourably. Uh, as the guys of it, I echo their, their words. To have a fantastic New Year, people. We hope you enjoy uh, what hopefully Arsenal are going to bring us. And uh, we'll see you in the New Year. Have a fantastic evening. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way.